0: You know what? I don't think that matters as much for yeah. that because because nobody wanted li- it anyway. Well, yes, okay, that's fine. But realistically <laughs> speaking, it's a it's a live service yeah. game, right? So, like, yeah. but it costs God of 70 War is going to end, huh?
1: It costs seventy dollars though. Oh, it does. It costs yeah. money.
0: This is not free to play. It's not free to play. No. <laughs> oh my god. Dead in the water <laughs> That's what I mean Okay, yeah <laughs> I thought I this was gonna I be I free just, to play Like, I just no. assumed Oh no,
1: oh no, full price
0: Cause I, di- I didn't get to watch the, like, original Ubisoft, like, the w- when mean, they aired it So I watched different trailers, but I, d- and- I Wow Welcome to the Gaming Trend Podcast The official podcast of GamingTrend.com. My name is Anthony Shelton, and I am joined by David Burdett. Hello, everyone. And Noah Ansaldúa. What's up, gamers? In this podcast, we're going to talk about the biggest games of the week, or at least as many biggest games that we could talk about. We're going to talk about the games in our backlog that we should have been playing, and we also talk about games you should be playing. Now, this week... A little bit of a slow week, kind of a weird time to relaunch a podcast because you know We're there's no triple there. A games. But yeah, yeah. Next week's going to be awesome, but this week we actually do have some interesting games. We got Noah Fantasy Reverie series. That's a uh, I don't I don't even know if to call it a remake, but that's there. <laughs> uh, the Last Clockwinders a VR game. That's kind of interesting. We got Match Point Tennis Championship, which is a tennis. Sim and then Rock up Blade Point, which is a melee battle royale based kind of game. So there's some interesting stuff this week. So every game we talk about will be time stamped. So that way, if you're interested in the game, you can just pop right over to that game. That'll be on the YouTube. And if you're listening on audio, and depending on whatever podcast app you are using, you'll be able to do that also for whatever game you want. So that is there for you as well. Now so, the first game, I think the biggest game this week, we'll, we'll start with first, uh, probably not what you would expect, but I, based on what we have, <laughs> there's, a of, there's a lot of chatter about it. <laughs> Let's talk about Clodoa first, shall we? Clodoa holds up pretty well, actually. This game was originally released in 1997, and... I forget what PlayStation console that was at the time. Was it out of was it what Playstation or PlayStation? I think it was still original
1: PlayStation.
0: Yeah, that yeah. So this is a combination of Klonoa, the first one, and Klonoa 2. So it's the the whole package is called Klonoa Fantasy Reverie series. I never got to play it because I never was a PlayStation guy, but I decided to check out the demo. Well, I was I won't say I wasn't a PlayStation guy. I just said I couldn't afford it a PlayStation parents gave me the option n 64 or PlayStation was like, well, I've, you know, I'm already been Nintendo. So N64 is the route I went. Unfortunately, I missed out on Klonoa because played the demo and it's pretty good. It's a 2.5 D game and platformer. And yeah, I wish I would have been exposed to this back in 1997 because this, this game is dope. Like it's, it's one of those games. It's kind of weird because it's very cutesy. It's not. It's not difficult. It's not a difficult game, but the the varied ways they have you platform through the space is what makes it really interesting. Like if I were to compare it to like something like Super Mario Land, where you're literally just going right to left or left to right, and you're just shooting stuff and collecting coins, and you know, it's like the most simplistic version of Mario in all of Mario. And then you have Klonoa, which is, is simplistic in its presentation, but kind of, it's not complex, but the way they use the space is interesting. And one of the, I guess, good parts about it is, so first of all, I don't know what the Frick Klonoa is. I don't know if it's a dog bear, a <laughs> fox dog. I, I, I don't know what it is. It is some sort of anthropomorphic cat, cat dog <laughs> thing with long ears with hands at the tips of them. Yeah. It sounds creepy like Elden Ring, but it's not. But, uh, you know, it's, it's cutesy hands at the end of its ears. I don't even know if those things are ears, but it's, it's just long yeah. ear looking things with hands. That are also so, wings. Yes, that too. So multifunctional child <laughs> creature thing can grab stuff. And so one of the cool things about it is when you grab stuff, it act- that actually enables your double jump. So you have a double jump, but you can't <laughs> use it until you've grabbed something. So, you grab something, I guess you'll kind of suck it in with this little magical ring you have, and then he'll grab it with his little ears. And then when you want to use a double jump, he'll like throw the enemy under his feet and like push off of him for, mm-hmm. for the second jump. And that opens up the variety of ways you can get up or, you know, just move around the different space and you can throw enemies as well. Once you grab them. So there's like different variables of, platforming based just on the double jump that really make things interesting especially when you start getting into the collectibles because you have to you don't have to but there are collectible gems you can get and there's like a whole bunch of them through the level and some of them are really hard to get like you have to utilize your double jumps and like different things in order to grab them obviously the best platformers with collectibles all utilize that in different ways but the way klonoa does it feels unique like it's mm-hmm. it's really so cool. you're
1: gonna be so you're gonna be plotting a lot more around the enemies of the stage when you're trying to get these harder to get ones rather than the just the let me back up as far as i can to the edge of this ledge and then run and jump off yeah. of it. yeah That's yeah yeah timing based and more how can i plot my environment around it
0: yeah, there is some like skill-based platforming involved. It's not skill-based like Celeste. It's not that difficult, but it uses the similar concept. It's it's just more intermediate when it gets to those kind of things. It's not expert like Celeste or, you know, Hollow Knight or something like that where it's like really skill-based platforming. And I feel like it's it's refreshing because it's 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 not like beating you down with like this crazy difficulty or anything but it's interesting to navigate. It's fun to get through. And then like it's not just moving from left to right. The spaces like rotate, which is where the kind of 2.5D and then there's branching pathways too, like mm-hmm. multiple. So
1: it's not something you see in a lot of platformers like that.
0: No. So some of them are just like you go into a cave Others are you're on the same plane, but you can go up or you can go down, and then it'll lead you to a different way. But you're still like moving right to left or left to right, right? Yeah. So it's yeah. like still going it's, forward, it's, yeah. And you like so go up,
2: you like go up, and then the whole camera will like turn, and then it'll like change like where where you're looking at. It's like really cool in that way because you can't even see the other pathway if you're on this path, and then because of yeah, the yeah. way the camera like kind of moves with it. And like thinking like that's a PlayStation game like I can't even imagine how that like would have functioned on the PlayStation like because of how it feels like there's so many moving parts in this like remaster, but it's probably all there (laughs) back there. It just feels like kind of like it could be like a modern game that came out like a few years ago.
0: It does feel that way if it feels exactly that, and it helps that they updated the look of it. They have an option where you can go into like pixelated mode, which mm-hmm. I guess looks more like the PlayStation. But it's default. All the pixels are smoothed out. The colors are vibrant. It looks really good. So, yeah. the, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a fun game. The Klonoa, the Klonoa... I forget what the first one is called. Something of the Phantom Mile or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that demo, I think, is like 30 minutes. The Klonoa 2 demo is like 15 minutes, but the level... It's like one long level where Kl- Klonoa is two levels. Um, but Klonoa 2, that is pretty much the exact same game. So we're like back in the period where the sequel is basically the same game, but they throw like a little bit of the tougher stuff from the first game at the beginning. So mm-hmm. that's kind of what Klonoa 2 feels like. like it, it's just like, you know this game, so we're just going to throw the stuff at you and new stuff is going to come up. They don't really have a lot of differences in that demo compared to the first one in terms of platforming differences. Um, but it feels like I can tell they are going to try some different stuff. Like right. in the Klonoa too, like they use the, the 2.5D a little bit differently. You can throw... Away from the screen right like you can't throw towards the screen you can't throw enemies towards the screen but you can throw it away And so like there's one part in klonoa 2 in the in the demo where there's a bell and you'll have to like Time when you throw an enemy to hit the bell as it's swinging So that way it can like knock down a wall or something like that So like it, it is it is kind of interesting like I didn't see any of that in the first game but I do wonder like if you got later into the first game, like that kind of stuff starts showing up. So I wonder Whoa. just how much of each uses it. Obviously the, the game's been released before, so people know what they're going to get. But for people like myself or Noah who haven't played it, like if this feels like a game that can and could have come out today, and it, it feels it feels good for a platformer. Like I am a platformer junkie, so this... Yeah, I, I like this. I like is this it, a lot.
1: Is it only single player or do they have any like other modes or anything like that? Like, it?
2: It, it is like mostly single player. There's like a support mode, but you, it's like basically the support mode in like uh, the new Kirby game or Mario Odyssey like where ha- you can just kind of like happy. It's like you give an extra jump to the person. It's like really not, I don't think it's really fleshed out.
0: Yeah, it feels more like something along the lines of like Mario Galaxy, where like the second player yeah, can like yeah. pick up the extra star pieces or something. Okay. So it's it's very much supporting the first player. So I think that extra jump, you know, just kind of makes life easier for the for the first player. So it's not a proper two player game. I'm not even sure that was orig- in the in the original. So I, I think the original is strictly a single player game, no support options or anything like that. So, but I mean, it's there. You know, you know, I think that's really beneficial for Switch players because that that probably is something Switch players take advantage of. But you know, so if you're the, playing on an Xbox, it's like whatever. In the
1: same vein, is it, it? Do you think what age range would you place this in? Because obviously, platformers aren't as prevalent as they have been. Nintendo's really the one who still does that. Is this something that you know is a parent's going to be able to go and get for their kid for the Xbox? Is it going to be more of the higher skill gap, like a Crash? Or, like, what, what do you think on that one?
0: No, this is definitely toward, geared towards the Nintendo audience. It's very sure. kid friendly, for sure. Absolutely. There. I mean, it even has a story, but that the story feels kind of half baked. So I yeah, don't know. I thought know the if story it,
2: was kind of cool because, like, I don't play many platformers that go to that, like, that length to have, like, that kind of really fleshed out first few cutscenes to, like, get you into it. I was like, dang, that's, like, like they're putting in work to like get you invested in this and i don't even know what's going on yet but then when you get to the beginning of the second or to the end of the second level and you get introduced to the boss um and like the dialogue is all like ps1 level like recording and i love it because yeah. it's like all garbled and it feels like a little weird a little like inscription like in the di- like the way the dialogue's coming out um yeah they, they talk more like yeah, i'm not real yeah, wrong. Yeah, But it's, like, got this, like, distortion to it. Like, it, it feels, like, garbled a little bit, so it's it's pretty cool. Uh, like, I was kind of looking to, like, I was wishing there was a third level in the demo because I want to see more, like, what was happening and understand it. It did, like, make me ask a lot of questions. Yeah, it's
0: uh, it's, I just don't know how many connections there will be by the end. <laughs> yeah. So like, I don't know if it's one of those platformers where they put in a, a a more fleshed out story than something like Mario or Kirby, but it's still not that fleshed out. Like it's not really worth having in the game in the first place. So, um, you know, I don't know if it's going to be better than something, you know, like, (laughs) like Donkey Kong 64 story wasn't like great, but you know, like it, it connected it, it, you know, kind of got you through, you know, like that's, I don't know if that's what this is. Or is just like not gonna make
2: much sense by the end, so I don't know, but it's, it's got potential. We'll see. Also, Klonoa potential. has a hat with a Pac Man on it for some reason. He I does, have no, I have no idea. He does. Why. And
0: like, so that opens up a whole new world. Like, does Klonoa live in a universe where he knows where Pac Man yeah. is?
2: Like I, like, I have no <laughs> idea I don't what's know. going on there, <laughs> yeah.
0: It's like fascinating.
2: It's, it says that uh Klonoa, This is on the the fandom wiki. It says Klonoa was designed by Yoshihiko Arai, and he added a large hat with a Pac-Man emblem on it and collar to give the character a childlike and energetic quality. Like, were they just allowed to do? Like, I don't know, but like, the history of like the publisher. Or well, whatever, Klonoa but... is Namco. Yeah, Namco. So they they just okay. Yeah, yeah, so guess, Namco. Yeah, was, so yeah, it yeah, it does drive questions of like. Okay, so are there, like, arcade cabinets in Klonoa or in Klonoa's yeah, world? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Get that's, ready for the
0: Pac-Man metaverse. Yeah. Yeah, man.
1: <laughs> the multiverse is upon us. Well, the cool Nam- thing is it looks like uh, our other David played Klonoa and gave it an 85 out of 100 saying that it was great.
0: Yeah, it feels great just off of the demo. Obviously needing to play more and seeing how the platforming expands. but just off of the first you know 15 30 minutes, I'm like, okay, this this has potential. I want to play more of this, this that's that's where I'm at. I want to play more of this and if that demo made me feel that way that you know that's that's a good thing. obviously, yeah <laughs> shouldn't, shouldn't state the obvious, but that's that's how this works. All right, let's uh let's talk about uh, the last Clockwinder. Last
1: Clockwinder. I am actually working on the review for that right now. I've been playing my way through it.
0: Oh, you're reviewing um, it. Oh, yes, I didn't know. I'm, I'm, review, I'm
1: actually working on a review for this one. So this one technically released back at the beginning of June, but it only made its way onto the Oculus Quest, I believe, as of like the very end of June. So this is a, a recent release for the Oculus Quest. It comes in at about $24.99 uh on the Oculus store as well as on Steam. So you can buy it and run it through like a different different VR. Um <clears throat> But with with this one, it may be the like most chill puzzle game that I've played like in VR ever. And there, the thing is, is with VR, everybody's looking to give you that that experience. Like that that's <laughs> yeah. what v, that's what VR is. It's supposed yeah. to be. That's that's why horror games do so well is because they're looking for those. Oh, you know what? If we got something attached to your face, you we can jump scare you all the. A- all we want
0: <laughs> yeah take <laughs> um, me deep
1: yeah with with puzzle games they work perfectly for it but you're usually going to be trying to do something a little bit more intensive like i know one of them is like the i expect you to die or something like that i, I forget the name exactly of it but like your hand is inside a bomb and you're like trying to get it off essentially Good and stuff. Gracious. like there's there's just the way that a lot of puzzle games are on VR like it, maybe it's just me maybe i've not played enough of them but it seems like they're looking for a very much more intense experience whereas the last clockwinder is like one of the most chill games that i've played in a while um i don't know if either of you've ever played the vanishing of ethan carter or the name of the other one. Uh, Everybody's Gone to the Rapture, like the narrative, like the walking simulator almost kind of games. Yeah. Where you're you're walking around, you're picking stuff up, you're you're figuring out kind of the story behind Mm -hmm. things. This goes that way a lot in VR, and I've not really experienced a lot of this. They're still more heavy on the puzzle elements, but then as you go through these different rooms in this, I I guess I should set the stage, you're going into this tree, big tree that's essentially a clock tower is what it is. What it actually is. And you are, for some reason, the person who was the caretaker of it is gone. She tried to automate a lot of the systems to be ran by machines. And so the tree is going to be destroyed if water rises up the trunk. She's gone. Water's rising, so you're having to go back there and kind of rediscover your childhood that you had spent there and all these different things that leads up to the way the game ends so what's really interesting with all of this is you go through and you're actually finding instead of them just putting things right in your face which is a little bit tougher to do because you know vr you don't have as many especially if it's going to run on the quest you can't have as many assets running at the same time you can't have all these different character models and and AI and all that kind of stuff running. So they're going with the like said the the more minimal narrative element where you get a call on your radio in between these different puzzles that you're doing and talk with someone, uh, a friend from your past as well as you have audio logs that you listen to that have you as a child with this other person, and it's kind of just building its way up. So it's just a really, really cool way of presenting this, but also doing it with the whole puzzle idea. Now, puzzle idea is interesting because you are trying to re-automate, since it's only you there, you're trying to re-automate some of these processes that are in the place. And for whatever reason, you can't pick up a piece of fruit and just walk. Because <laughs> that's what powers this whole thing or whatnot. You can't pick it up and walk across the room really, and just chuck it in. You're supposed to be cl- making these little clone robots that are doing these processes. So it was really interesting. kind of you kind of get that feeling that you do in portal when you solve them of, yeah, I just figured this out. Yeah, of like and the cool thing is is what you're doing is you're actually making the motions yourself. So you're recording yourself doing something with a, like, there's a timestamp that you can put on of one, two, or four seconds. And then when it's finished, it creates this little robot that is doing the thing that you just did.
0: Yeah, that's super dope.
1: Yeah, so you're you're spending this whole time just doing this. And, like, I kind of lost track of time a bit doing it because they've got, like, on the side the wall they've got like these I guess kind of challenges of like get like have a a smaller amount of clones but be producing this much Mm. because you're like throwing them in the collection bin of the the fruit like be producing this much per minute but (laughs) have less clones doing it so like I was like sitting there trying to get double out of one of the clones (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, and actually ended up going back and redoing my entire first room because I realized oh I'm only getting one fruit picked and put in the the collection basket when I could get two in the time that I've got with how I'm how much time I have for this this character so it's just it continues to get a little bit more and more complex but in the end like there was some really intense like hitting it, like stabbing it with this thing and throwing it across the room to this area. Then I'd have to go over there, and I was literally would have to catch it in midair, stab it again, throw it to another part of the room, and like it's just this like crazy, What I don't know what the word exactly is of those machines that people build that like you tip over oh, a domino like Rube Goldberg. And it makes, the Rube Gold. It's like, a. Yeah. it feels almost like you're doing a Rube Goldberg kind of thing, even if it's not as like wacky of just how you're figuring these puzzles out. And then sometimes you'll look and you'll be like, man, I just totally, it. I, it worked, but I took the hardest route to do this. <laughs> yeah. Because I had one where I was like chucking this like three pronged thing of like, Nucleus of fruit across the room to this other spot, so I could grab it and chuck it somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And I looked across the, I looked next to me, and I'm like, or I looked across, and I'm like, crap! I literally threw it from that area, and there's a thing that the thing that I needed is right there on my right. (laughs) If I'd have just, and it's what's funny is it's not something that would happen if you were playing this as a regular video game, because you're playing it in VR, so your focus is just kind of. You kind of have blinders on mm-hmm. and you you need to be looking around a little bit more to figure out these things out because it's you don't have a HUD or any of these other things giving you this extra information. Uh, even in the game itself, you have these a couple of hints and that's it. Like they give you kind of a this is how you need to go to get started. And then from there, you're figuring it all out on your own. So it's it's just really cool the way that they have put all of this together. It it's a really nice looking game. VR games don't tend to be too visually intensive, just they, they just don't have the ability to given the amount of amount of power that is having to be used to render the world in general in general that you get. So it's actually it's a really good looking game and I really like one of the I actually brought this up in the review. I really like one of the tricks that they use to get the most out of their their processing power instead of like walking through a door and and like having to reload like the entire place. It's kind of this you pull uh, you
0: Mm, choose.
1: It's like you choose a floor and it vanishes down. And then the next floor comes back up with the set mm-hmm. the next floor that you chose, so it's like everything else around you, including like the out the outdoors with your with your radio, even the outskirts of the room, including the walk up to kind of the loft area, all the same, but the floor itself changes, so it's just a very smart use of. A very smart trick to get around what I imagine is a lot of processing power needed to render things and keep you from being in constant loading screens.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, because based on, I mean, I watched a a little bit of somebody playing it just to get an idea of what this game looked like. And it seemed like, so there, the, the, where you go to change floors, you, first of all, you have to have enough fruit to, to get to another floor. And then there's like a little. Yeah, there's like a little like pin you put on this globe-looking thing that has like hundreds of hexagons <laughs> all over there. It's them. not
1: all 100, thankfully.
0: <laughs> yeah, but it looks like so many, right? So it's like Yeah, if if there really are like even like 50 of them and yeah. you got to somehow like have all this data stored <clears throat> on the on the on the game and have the the processing power on the 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 VRs handle that yeah that you got to figure something out because you know obviously VR just doesn't have the same processing power so yep it, it is it is an interesting and it's not really that jarring like at first i was watching it and i was just like why in the world is, is this floor but after a while it's just like it, whatever this is the way the game works like maybe this maybe this is how the clock tower works sure like you just change the floors and nothing yep. else and everything else just operates as normal but yeah it 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 does look cool the, the The best part where I was watching it, I was confused at first, I was like, "What is going <laughs> on?" And then I realized, like, oh, frick, these little droids are copying the ability- like he was just they' just doing the thing he just did. <laughs> and I feel like if, the, if if I guess you mentioned this was a game before it became VR. I'm like, this feels like the way the game should be played because. Yes. Your ability to be able to like the way he was doing it, like there's a lever to let the fruit drop into the little chute that it needs to go to. Yep. So he had a a, a a a droid basically. So he at this copy of the... there's this lever and he was just like doing this for like two <laughs> seconds. Yes, exactly. And <laughs> then <laughs> and then the droid appears and it's like <laughs> you know, it's just doing this over exactly, and over and exactly over. Exactly the same. And it's like, holy frick, this is this is nuts. Like this is really cool concept and yeah that's yeah this sounds like a really cool puzzle game
2: have y'all like neat yeah it looks awesome like have y'all played dishonored too because this gives me like jindosh <laughs> jindosh's mansion vibes like where you yes. get to the room and like that's that's exactly what this is because it's like the clock tower aesthetic it's like that whole thing but like in this tiny little vr game that it looks really cool um and then the other thing like about the clones it's like one, it's like it's got to be like one of the best, like most elegant ways to introduce like programming, uh, like concepts to like people to like, you know, kids or whoever's like, whatever age this would be appropriate for. I don't know. I mean, um because that is like literally what programming is. It's just like telling it to do this or this or this, but it's like very practical and very hands on, like, you know, like just this is what I want you to do clone and then the clone will do it. so That's that's pretty cool. Yeah, it, it, it's
0: super. yeah, super, 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 super. Most basic form. Yes, yeah, that is yeah. that is programming. But I feel like Game Builder Garage would do to, would do a
2: better job. Yeah, for sure. But like conceptually, it's, it's, like a, it's like a cool entry point.
0: Yeah, yeah. Clock. Yeah, the last the last Clockwinder. That's uh, what is that? What is that? All all that on?
1: Uh, it should be on Steam as well as the oculus quest it's actually on the bait on the actual you can download it straight to your oculus
0: quest and i imagine you can use it on all the vr sets yeah
1: i would imagine uh, obviously playstation vr it's not available on there yet so that would sure, be the yeah. only one that it wouldn't be for but it's uh, i think it's a lot of it's it's a lot of fun it does there is a little bit of where it gets kind of repetitious especially when you're like, man, I'm stabbing like 500 fruits here (laughs) just to get all this. But it it doesn't overstay its welcome either. The game's about six hours long and it's it's not intensive in the sense of like, yes, you've got to do these. Master these different kind of movements to get things going, and it does do a lot of the same thing, but it doesn't go so overboard that that's. All you're doing the entire time. Like there's these little break times where you're going and said, listening to the narrative or, or going to find seeds or having to backtrack a little bit to figure a couple things out.
0: Yeah, that, that looks cool. By the way, Klonoa Fantasy Reverie series, that's available on Switch, uh, I believe, uh, well, Xbox, PlayStation, and I think PC. I believe that, that is the on, case. W-
1: it was reviewed on PC for us actually.
0: Okay. So yeah, it's, it's pretty much on everything that, uh, that matters at this point. <laughs> so uh, I don't know if you guys know, but we have a Discord. Woo. So yeah, we have a Discord. So if you're watching this or listening to this and you are enjoying the conversation and you would love to share your opinions with us and tell us how wrong or right we are uh, and just keep the conversation going, then uh, yeah, join our Discord. It is a Gaming Trend. You can search that up. and uh, We will have a link I'll in the also, description below. I will do that. Yes, I was just about to say that. Absolutely. <laughs> I will also put that in the podcast notes uh, on for whatever podcast app you use. So, uh, All right, let's talk about Naraka Blade Point. I like it, but the controls are the reason I don't want any more of this. So this is a melee-based battle royale. Conceptually, love the idea. Playing the game feels pretty good. The animations are smooth, the melee is fun. I'm enjoying it. You get into these battles and they don't end very quickly. So everything about a battle royale that you understand that's in a battle royale is pretty much in Naraka Blade Point. There's shields of some sort, there's health replenishing, shield replenishing. Uh, You'll have different weapons, different uh, levels of those weapons. I guess the one difference for this game is there's a grappling hook that helps you traverse a little bit faster. It's got limited ammo, so you gotta constantly look for those too. There are also little different items that I hadn't quite figured out what they do. There's shops inside the the field where you can buy certain things. You could buy items that you could normally pick up just searching around and looting and whatnot but you can actually buy them, so there's like also currency. Everybody, if you kill somebody, there's currency that drops off of them, so you know you could just steal that off of their body. So, all that Battle Royale stuff is there. The problem is, is that there are also guns. Not too many, uh, I, think there, I, th- I think there might be one, but the one gun really messes up the controls. So the mm. default controls for this game is uh, Actually, I'll just ask you this What do you think the default Melee button would be for a Melee based game?
2: This is on controller? Yes or, uh, control, With a controller I
1: mean, If I'm on controller then it's either like if it's an Xbox controller it's either X or square or it would be one of my triggers that would be okay,
0: my so idea. It's, so it's I trigger. would agree with that. Yeah, yeah so it's, it's the right trigger. That's your that's your default melee. Meanwhile, you have jumping, you have the grapple ability, um, you have a dash, which is defaulted to uh, your B button, which is really <laughs> odd <laughs> to me. Makes sense then, me. That's
1: roll button for me. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, but that's also your sprint button. So you... If you hold it down, you'll sprint, but that okay. also doubles as your dodge as well. And then okay. I guess there's a cooldown that I really can't find where the you can sense where the cooldown is. I don't know. It's got this so you start sprinting and then this meter fills up. But okay. you keep on sprinting, so I don't know what that meter is actually supposed to convey cuz it doesn't like cool down necessarily when you're done sprinting. But if you do your two dodges, you can't sprint or you can't dodge again? Until after Mm -hmm. a certain time, and I can't tell when. Yeah, I can't tell when that is. So I, I don't know what that's about. But there's everything feel is mapped so weird that even I tried to customize controls the way I wanted to, and you can thankfully. So you, you can move a whole bunch of stuff around. There's one button you cannot change. I don't remember what it is off the top of my head, but basically you can pretty much map everything the way you want. But even still. Oh, it's sprint. You can't map sprint. I wanted to map sprint to the right trigger because Mm. I've played a lot of games where that that is a sprint option. So Mm. to me, that that works. I I couldn't do it though. So I was fumbling around with controls the entire time. And while most of the fighting part, the combat I was fine with, there were still some elements where I was getting all messed up cuz I couldn't sprint and run away properly so yeah. I was just getting gimped it was it was yeah it was very think, it was very annoying.
1: Do you think this is part of it coming from Asian territories cuz I know they have some different like button ideas when it comes to standard I, stand, I've
3: played like other
0: like free to play kind of games like these I haven't really experienced default controls like this or control limitations like this I mean even for like even for Japanese games right like usually jump is you know if you're on the the, the switch for example the number one the X and the Y are switch flipped on the <laughs> switch right so that's different A yep. and B is flipped so you know me growing up on Nintendo like that's easy for my brain to go back to oh yeah I'm playing Nintendo right now so this is jump this is you know whatever and whatnot so Gotcha. That's different. You know, if you play Final Fantasy, like there are some button. Different, you know, it's like, well, yeah. this is odd, but yeah, you, know, you get used to it. No, it's like this is. It just feels weird. <laughs> so, that alone was annoying. I do feel like uh, the inventory management is awkward. It has a mix of Fortnite and Apex. So mm-hmm. if you kill somebody. Loop pops out like in Fortnite. Everything's on the ground. And it's really bad at separating when items are really uh, close together. So right. I'm like looking at stuff way too long. It's like I need to pick up this grappling hook, but I keep looking at this white glaive that I don't want to <laughs> pick up. Uh, can, can I... Oh, 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 I got... It. There we go. Okay, now I, I grabbed it. Great. And then um, if there is... Also, oh, yeah, when you open your inventory, that's what it is. When you open your inventory, it acts like Apex Legends when you look through somebody's dead body's box. So, like, Fortnite, you kill somebody, everything pops out, but when you look through your own inventory, it's more like Apex Legends, and the list of stuff is long because there are so many items. It is a
2: long list of stuff.
0: I'm like, this is not... The interface you want yeah. for Battle Royale when yeah, you're like trying to get through things quickly.
2: Compare that to, like, PUBG and, like, Escape from Tarkov when you just go to, like, it'll show, like, nearby items every time and it's just, like, all there. It's not even
0: nearby items. It's oh, just what's in stuff. your inventory. Oh, gotcha. And, like, all your left side of the screen is just, like, all the stuff. Now, it's, it's ordered in such a way where it's, like, I think weapons, armor, health, health regen, you know, stuff like that but there's so many things (laughs) like it's you have you have to scroll in order to get Uh through a lot of stuff it's just i'm I'm looking at it right
1: now it kind of makes me think of an mmo which is those are confusing in and of themselves half the time
0: yeah it's not confusing to look at it's just a lot to look at so that that's that's the main problem when you're when you're doing a br you have to move quickly yeah. yeah you have to move quickly because you know as you're as you're looting you can hear the footsteps. You don't want to get gimped. So, um, I,
1: I have a funny issue with this game. And it's mainly the fact that, like, I think it's going to, I'm sure it'll do well. It'll find its audience. But it's similar to PUBG with me. Like, PUBG was such a big deal with how it captured everyone when it came to BRs. That was the first, like, mainstream BR. It was coming to Xbox. Yeah. Everybody was super excited about it. And then it came out and there was a paywall. And Naraka doesn't necessarily have a paywall in the sense of Game Pass, but Naraka, if you do not have Game Pass, costs $20 or more, depending on the edition you want. Same with on PC. So okay. it's mainly the thing of, I, I understand Game Pass is always there, but when you put yourself behind a paywall like that, you there's other things I can play for free eventually someone else is going to come out with something and it's going to be fun but i can play it for free so yeah i think i think this one's so unique though i just don't so like unique, the idea though. of paywalling it
0: yeah i think this one's so unique though that there there yeah there's other battle royales you can play and most people are already playing them so the people who want naraka are playing it so i feel like i feel like that it's okay for them to do that because who else has a melee based I guess Rumbleverse now is coming out mm-hmm. in a few days, so, like, that's coming, but, like, at this point, there's nothing quite like Naraka Blade Point with its setting, the type of weapons it has, things like that. So, it's—I feel like they could get away with it. Like, I'm not mad at them for charging. No. Like, I don't think every— every battle royale has to be a free to play game.
1: Oh yeah, and I agree with that. It's just one of those things of a lot of times because of the others you can get left behind, which it's currently the 29th game in the most played on Xbox. Which isn't bad. That's, uh, yeah,
0: that's not
3: that's not bad at all. I feel like I feel like that's that is uh just right for that game. Yeah. yeah.
0: But it, it's good. I do like it. I just wish the controls were better. Yeah, I, mean, it, I just wish I could map every single control the way I wanted to, because if I could, yeah, I'd still be playing that. It, it, I'd be playing a lot of it. It is, it is fun. Uh, I mostly play it against like, different difficulties of bots, and I just know that if I play against humans, I'm going to get my butt kicked, because there are just there are some there's a skill gap. That is definitely there. And uh, I I wish there was a way to familiarize yourself with different weapons. Like Apex Legends has its like training mode where you can just hop into it and just play with weapons. This doesn't have that. If it does, I didn't see it. So there's, there's a lot of different weapons that do different things. Like I, I picked up this legendary weapon that's basically like this grinder. Like it's... It's almost like spins up like a minigun, and it just grinds this drill, and you could just run into people and just you know put them in a corner and trap them. You know, like if you can get it going, like it's it's a it's a sweet weapon. It leaves you open, but man, if it, once you once you get somebody, you go and get them. So they, you know different stuff like that. That's that is fun. So I imagine there's more fun weapons like that. So I, don't know, I feel I feel like if. I feel like what we have of it right now is probably as, as good as it's gonna get, but it, it's a fine game. It, it is a fine game.
1: So is there is there a reason to play other characters? Like, is it just is it just a standard? Like, you're just picking a skin, or is it like, is there actually differences to like abilities or whatnot?
0: No, there are there are different abilities. I so you're you're mostly choosing off of skills and ultimates. So every character does have an ultimate. I stuck with the default character just so I could get more use of the game. That's just usually how I do these kind of yep. games. I just stick with one character. But she has this like ultimate that's like a stun ability. So, so charge it, and everybody within the vicinity has this like purple beam that's connected to them. And if they're still connected to that purple beam by the time it goes off, they're stunned for like seven seconds. Like it, It's a long time. <laughs> so you can get off some really big attacks on them and do some serious damage. Obviously they wake up after, after you hit them, but you know, it might be too late for them by that. And then she has a, another skill where she she can basically knock you away with this like purple wave thing that she throws out. Um, So yeah, every character has something different. Um, But I, I didn't play with any of the rest of them.
3: The uh,
2: the control problem sounds like it's one of the few like or one of those third person games where playing on mouse and keyboard actually feels better than not because it sounds like there's a lot going on and the menu sounds like it's literally they did nothing to make it fit for controller Mm. and it all is like still tied to like being most optimized for for using a mouse and just dragging stuff over to where you want it to be probably because
1: it came from PC.
0: Yeah, I do want to be fair. Like there are control options. Again, you can mm-hmm. totally remap except for like the sprint, at least for the way I wanted to do it. But they do have like different default control options you can use for. I think they have one for like sword style. Like if you if you like using swords, like this is the control style you want to use. If you If you do want to use a gun, like this is the control style you want to use. I don't know how useful that is at the end of the day, because in BRs, you kind of just got to roll with what you got until you can find something yeah. or if you find something you want. Right. So, um, but I also didn't find, I didn't get into a scenario where I felt like I was, I couldn't find <laughs> something that I, I wanted to use instead of the thing that I first picked up. Right. So i I guess, I guess it could be fine, but, uh, yeah, they, there are different options, but it does feel like it's more optimized for PC in terms of controls. All right, let's... Uh, last game was a Matchpoint Tennis Championship. I like tennis. I am a tennis guy. And this is one of those games where I just never got it, and everybody else gets it, and I don't. I don't know why, but this, yeah, I just could not be as good as everybody else, which bothers me because I don't normally have that problem. Like, I'm not much of a simulator player of the sports type. I'd rather, like, go outside and play the sports. So, I have most experience with NBA 2K as far as, like, sports simulators, but, um, I, I don't have a problem in NBA 2K
3: getting good at it. Like, if,
0: if I really wanted to spend the time, I could get good at it. I don't just spend my time otherwise. But with Match Point Tennis Championship, I just felt like I could never get it. And I'm reading online because at some point I was just like, all right, how are other people viewing this? And other people are like, man, yeah, this game is so easy. You can put the ball exactly where you want. The AI is not that great and all this stuff. And I'm like, why am I getting crushed then? <laughs> so there's this, so in this game, and I don't know if other tennis simulators do this because I don't have experience with other, you know, top spin AO tennis, virtual tennis, all that kind of stuff. So in this game, the way you pinpoint the ball where you want it to go, there's an indicator, it looks like a shadow, a little small disc that you can move around on the other side of the person's court. And that determines where the ball's gonna go, basically. So you hit it, and then once the other person hits it back, that's when that indicator shows up. So you move it with your left stick, and by the time you hit it, it depending on you know, the hit option you did and stuff, it should generally land where you put your indicator okay pretty simple my problem is is that i also have to move my character to the spot where i want to go while i'm also trying to control this indicator that shows up right that's all done with the left stick so if i want to hit my shot to the left side of the court but i have to run to the right then i'm running to the right While also trying to get my indicator in a place where I want to put the shot where I want on the left. And that's really difficult to do all at the same time without overcompensating and hitting it out of bounds. And so it's super frustrating. Now, I was also reading, I guess, it's one of those where if you just jerk the the direction that you want the player will just automatically run to where the ball will be. So that way you can spend more time focusing on the indicator. But I never, it just never felt like I would be in the place that I would want to be. So I don't know if I just don't trust the automatic movement enough to feel free to just fully control the, the indicator properly. But either way, Like, I have to jerk it in the right direction. So as soon as the opponent hits it, like, I have to at least put it in the right direction, which is enough, at least a second, of the indicator moving in the wrong direction. Now I have to compensate again to put it in the right direction. Yeah, it's so frustrating. (laughs) It's so frustrating. Apparently, everybody else was getting it. I could not. And so, yeah, it's... That alone was like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm done with this. This is, this is not going to be a fun experience from now on. It's also really boring. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have watched tennis. It's, it's mildly ex- exciting at times. This is, they score a point, golf claps. I'm like, there are people cheering after points in tennis. Like, what are what are what is happening? Uh, this, and, and then everything the broadcasters say is negative. Every time I did something wrong, it was they had something to say. But if I did something good, crickets, nothing. Like y'all suck. Y'all really, really biased mfers. Like I don't, I don't like y'all. Customization is also uh, very. Um, European centric let's just put it that way uh I don't get what they're doing if I wanted to create me as a as a brother I cannot unless I choose the correct head so I can't change my skin color unless the default head has the skin color so the skin color of the person who has or the head of the the person who has my skin color is like this straight european dude with like slick hair and all this and i'm like the the blackest person that they got is just straight african so they ain't really gotten any black people in it you can't make a black goodness. person if you wanted to there's no hairstyles like black people i'm like two of the top tennis players who are particularly women are black and y'all can't figure this out y'all can't just make you just can't make that i like i <laughs> it's just this one from captain for cried out loud. like y'all just can't make this so yeah that's really annoying clothing <sighs> They don't even have um, brands, ASICs, Adidas. I think Reebok has like brands with uh, tennis. So that's not even in there. You just get these ugly default stuff. So yeah, this, I, I was hoping it would be decent, but it is, it is not unfortunate.
3: <sighs> Missed opportunities. That's certainly what this
0: is. So, all right. Let us get into the news. We got quite a bit to talk about. All right, so Rockstar is no longer updating Red Dead Online. So, what's going on with that? Uh, they're basically they're not going to do any more major updates. So, they'll still do qual- quality of life updates. They'll do content updates like seasonal stuff, but anything huge like that's done and. The point is, so they could focus on Grand Theft Auto 6 or whatever the next one will be. So that's, that, uh, I don't know, Red Dead Online never took off in the first place.
1: You like go where the money's at. Yeah. The money's in GTA. It's not in Red Dead, sadly. Uh, people just, like you said, people aren't buying it. They even put it out as a $20 its own thing. And for like three months, you could buy it for five bucks. I mean, they did, right, everything. They, they, they did everything they could do <laughs> to get people to play it. It's not like they just straight up said, well, no, it's been out for two months. We're done.
0: No, but it felt like that. Like yeah. it, I don't know. Red Dead. I haven't played GTA online, but Red Dead online just didn't hit for me. I was like, this is yeah. this is boring. <laughs> this is you just be- get it wrong. Yeah. That's what I felt like. Uh, Bayonetta 3 is coming October 28th. Well, that came out of nowhere. So thanks to Nintendo. For Part of the announcement, Something else
1: in October.
0: <laughs> I know. Like, what? We just finally October, got For great. Spoken
1: delayed, and then they put Bayonetta 3 out on the same day as Modern Warfare
0: 2. Is that the same day? Same day. Oh my gosh! Different. They're not, audience, I imagine. they're
1: not competing with each other. No. So no.
0: <laughs> Still weird though. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. There's people like us who want to play all kinds of stuff. So part of the announcement mentioned that I guess there's going to be a naive angel mode, which basically adds closed bayonetta in scenes in which you would be otherwise uncovered. And you know, people are kind of I don't know. People are all mixed about this kind of thing. Like
1: it's an optional thing. Like I don't get why you're upset about it. Like to me, you're all you're doing is you're letting other people play it.
0: That well, you might know, not the theme- play it otherwise yeah, the female empowerment stuff, you know, that that, that that's what that mostly conversation, I've seen plenty of headlines where it's like, they made her less sexy, and I'm like are, are, are we suggesting like, you gotta take clothes off to be sexy Like, <laughs> but it's still in the game,
2: it's just like a win for teenagers who like, are afraid their mom's gonna walk in and be like, yo yeah, right, yeah. yeah
0: yes, exactly <laughs> but here's the thing here's, here's also the reality that I think A lot of people are missing. Bayonetta was in Smash. So a lot of people have been exposed to Bayonetta who were not otherwise exposed to Bayonetta. So now that there's a Bayonetta 3, she's in Smash, people are going to want to play Bayonetta. And some of those people may not be age-appropriate for Bayonetta because we all know the game industry is not actually, you know... Following the ESRB in terms of you know stopping children from playing M rated games and all that stuff, so which I'm not saying that's necessarily their responsibility. I'm just saying that's the reality. So yep. I this covers their butt on on that end. So Funny I, I, story, I, it's smart.
1: <laughs> Funny story. My poor little brother always had the worst luck of, <laughs> and I'm sure it's I'm sure it's everybody did, but. The worst luck of the whole old meme thing of your parent walking into the room when something was going on. And my brother was playing Fallout 3, never had any issues or anything. (laughs) My dad starts playing Fallout 3 and within an hour he walks into a warehouse and the F word is painted in huge letters across it. And (laughs) guess who had to trade in his copy of Fallout 3? (laughs) My little brother.
0: (laughs) Yep, yep. (laughs) I felt that's so how bad. Po-
1: he was like, "I've been all across this whole map and I haven't found that."
0: Yep, <laughs> that's how it goes. Yep. Noah went to the Apex Legends Championship that happened this past weekend. Uh, I watched it; it was
2: fantastic. You went to it, though. Yep, yeah. I was all the way in Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, I. So when the when the tickets got announced, I was like, all right, I, I'm going to look at the prices and see if I can even get them. And then I looked in there only $50 for four days. And I was like, well, that's a that's a steal. So then I, I clicked it. I bought it. Um, it was way more than that because Ticketmaster likes to charge you just for existing. Um, and also I was like, oh, dang, I just bought these tickets. And how am I going to get to Raleigh, North Carolina? I don't have any money. <laughs> I literally just got out of college and I don't have a job. And I'm like, (laughs) I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Uh, So then I went to St. Louis for like 4th of July. Um, My girlfriend went with me. I bought her the ticket also to go to Raleigh. And my friend said he could pick us up from an airport in Charlotte, which is because he's from South Carolina. So like we coordinated this whole huge plan to get us to the ALGS championships. And it worked, it paid off. And uh algs was like time of my life oh my gosh it was insane this is the first big land tourney um where there's actually an audience since like year one of apex so really it's like apex legends first big land tourney like it, it might as well be um and it was really really awesome there's like probably at least a few thousand people there uh supporting various teams um there are like so many cool like storylines to follow i was supporting like tsm tsm imperial Hal reps and uh Verholst. and they're they're amazing but they did not play the best uh a little disappointing but there's like so much that i was like just like just like the spectacle of everything was like beautiful it was like all like very like red and like bright and <laughs> amazing and just like huge and um it was in the pnc arena so that's like where the the canes play they're like a lower league hockey team um but it was it was really cool the announcers were awesome there's like uh fallout and vicky kitty were two of the best ones there um there was like a ton of things to do there's like cosplayers like as like like ea approved cosplayers um doing like revenant cosplay and caustic cosplay that was super cool to see um i got to meet Imperial Hall. I got to meet Verholst and reps, and like so many ALGs, so many like professional Apex players. I was like in awe, and um, the games themselves, and seeing sitting there and like watching on the screens, and like hearing the commentators, and like being able to interact with them was amazing. And the crowd was just like top notch because. So there's like two things I want to mention. There is this one team, this Australian team called Team Burger. They're unsigned. They made it all the way to uh Apex ALGS champs and uh they're insanely good and they don't have yeah a- they were putting yeah. in work. Yeah they were. They made it all the way to finals and they performed there even. Um and they don't have an organization yet but like within the first two days they got so such like a big fan base just out of nowhere. Like by the second day um there was they were called the Burger Brigade and they printed out all these burgers and they were handing them out like burgers on paper. They were handing them out through the crowd, like just organize, like fans organized this. They're handing them out through the crowd and they all like lifted up anytime burger did anything. And then oh, by like gosh. the third day, they had a chant and it was like infectious because they would go, Big juicy burger. Big, <laughs> juicy. And it was like huge. Um That's goofy. So, that was insane and i am sure that team burger is going to be signed to like an organization within like the next month and um cuz nice. they have to be they they played out of their minds and they have the ability to get like that big get a crowd so that was insane and then the other thing i want to mention is pulverex they they were this japanese duo because um, their third player got their visa denied and oh yeah so the first day they got knocked in the losers round but they were like consistently scoring points and they were like 11th or 12th. Like they barely got knocked into the losers round because it's top 10 moves on. Um, so they barely got knocked in the loser round. Then they played out of their minds in the losers round one. They made it to losers round two, um, which is only top 10 in the losers round, gets goes to that out of 20. And then even then, even in losers round two, they still played really well for a duo. Like, like they were outplaying like full squads of, pers- of professional players. Like they're professional players as well, but like. There are only two of them, so it was like yeah. insane. Everyone in the crowd was going Pulverex, Pulverex, and like at one point, one of the Pulverex players like did this, did like the little double arm flex. Yeah. Uh, so everyone was doing that. It was huge. It was it was a moment. It was it was amazing to be there. It really was.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. So uh, Dark Zero was the one who won. They won. Right. I guess this
2: is their second time winning. There's only been two, and they won both. So, See, they won the playoff split, too. Like, so this, this okay. last playoff before this, they won back-to-back uh, land tournaments, but that last tournament, there wasn't a huge audience to watch. Yeah, yeah,
0: so uh, that, that's an Australian team. So congrats to Dark Zero for taking it. Nice. Uh, Ubisoft revealed Skull and Bones. My God, it finally, is, it's a game. I don't know if you knew. But it exists. So, uh, Skull and Boats is basically... Uh, well, it's going to be released November 8th, 2022. The day before God of War Ragnarok. Sea and of Creed. Yes. Yeah. I was trying to figure out what you said. I was like, sea, oh, okay. Sea of Creed. Sea of Creed. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's a pirate-themed game. And you'll steer boats, complete objectives, engage in PvP... Very much Sea of Thieves type of stuff just in Ubisoft form. You you know what that looks like at this point. And if you don't, I guess great for you. But uh, yeah, there's, there's several kind of boats that you can use. They have boats that specialize in shipping cargo across the ocean. So they're a little bit faster, but they are easier to destroy. They have offensive boats, huge, you know, they're offensive. They're they're meant to blow other ships up, but they're harder to control. And then you yeah. have—I um, forgot what the last ship was actually, but they have another ship. Uh, I don't, I don't. But they'll they'll have different kinds of ships that specialize in different things. I I wonder how that works out because, like, why wouldn't you hit the ocean with an offensive ship? You know, like if the, if this is going to be a PvP kind of game then well if you go get gimped you're not gonna right like
1: I'm sure it's gonna be like a meta thing of like what is the meta of the ships like obviously the offensive one could be really powerful but if you have one that's more armored that controls easier even though it doesn't pack as much of a punch maybe it survives longer than the offensive one and that becomes the meta you know I don't know. I'm I'm guessing. I'm putting the same amount of effort into my guess as they put into this game. (laughs) Because, let's be honest, the only reason this game is even coming out is because they have to put it out. Because they took like $120 million from the Singapore government.
0: Oh, I didn't know about that.
1: Yeah, that's they did that, meaning they have to put this game out. So they're going to have to figure this out as they go along and just hope that it works. I mean, I immediately posted a GIF of Jack Sparrow in the first Pirates movie coming in to port as his ship is sinking. (laughs) (laughs) Because that's what this felt like, especially considering it launches the day before arguably one of the biggest games
0: of the year. You know what? I don't think that matters as much for yeah. that because because nobody wanted li- it anyway. Well, yes, okay, that's fine. But realistically <laughs> speaking, it's a it's a live service yeah. game, right? So, like, yeah. but it costs God of 70 War is going to end, huh?
1: It costs seventy dollars though.
0: Oh, it does. It costs yeah. money. This is not free to play. It's not free to play. No. <laughs> oh my god. Dead in the water. <laughs> That's what
1: I mean. Okay.
0: I yeah. <laughs> I thought I this was going to be free just, to play. Like I just no. assumed. <laughs> oh no.
1: Oh no. Full price.
0: Because I, di- I didn't get to watch the like original Ubisoft like the w- when mean, they aired it. So I watched different trailers. But I, d- I wow.
1: Sea of Thieves was full price too.
0: So yeah, but there it, is a yeah. there is a blueprint for this to
1: actually go well eventually. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Essentially, when it goes to PlayStation oh my Premium, when it becomes a PlayStation Premium game, that's when everything will go right. Because God knows it probably will, considering Ubisoft has their deal with PlayStation now for PlayStation Plus Extra.
2: Mm.
0: Okay. Well. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> they don't either. That's, that's really unfortunate. I'm not. I'm not as down on this game than most. It could people, be fine. I just.
1: It's not seventy dollars.
0: Yeah. It's it's not seventy dollars fun. Yeah. Um. It's gonna be seventy dollars on all Even platforms.
1: It, I think it's still gonna be sixty on Last Gen. But who gives a crap? Like it's no, still cost than, money. No, no, it still costs money. It still costs ten dollar yeah, difference is not changing my opinion on this game.
0: Yeah. Ah. <laughs> oh, that's 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 gonna be rough. Yeah. All right. Well. <laughs> Speaking of failures, GameStop is uh, going to be shifting their focus to NFTs and their layoffs as well as Game Informer layoffs. So uh, um, here's a quote um, from a company memo, thanks to Stephen Totillo. Quote says, This means eliminating excess costs. Like, this is the reason why they're doing this. The, This means eliminating excess costs and opening with an intense owner's mentality. Everyone in the organization must become even more hands-on and embrace a heightened level of accountability for results. That's in a company memo. So... Yeah, that's the mindset they have with this whole NFT thing. Like, this is grassroots, so if you're gonna do this, you need an ownership mentality and put in the work. So... um. Yeah, along with that, uh, Game Informer has lost fifty percent of its staff since the beginning of the year. So that that also includes this. So
1: they were already bare bones as it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's like what there's like what four people there now. I don't even
0: know. Uh, it's that it's not a lot. I know one of the the ones on the podcast, and he just put out a tweet today. He was like, "I just did my first editing work for the magazine." I was like, "Oh my yep. gosh, this is." This is not good Yeah, at it's all. It's
1: not good in the slightest. And the sad thing is, is Game Informer is a recognized and trusted source. They're not like, at really? least in my opinion, they're not like a lot of the other mainstream outlets where you get a little bit of shovelware in there with, or, or it feels paid. Game Informer's never right. felt that way to me. It's always felt like very honest people, uh, especially I've always loved uh, Andy McNamara, who's now at EA, like he's phenomenal was a phenomenal part of that which thank goodness he got away before this happened.
0: <laughs> yeah, I I mean I always felt Game Informer was uh it, it was it didn't have the depth that I wanted in terms of like getting into the games but it never it never felt like it was it, it always felt like it was written for the fans, right? So yeah. like it gave you the information you needed um I, it It felt fair in this it felt excited, like they fair, didn't fair want to, is right. they didn't want to down a game just because it lo- you know like they it always felt like they wanted to give a game a chance until it actually fails. you know, <laughs> this,
1: this isn't Kotaku's Fighters on Cage for the Connect review.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I did not read that, so it's literally um, a
1: paragraph because the person refused to review it.
0: <laughs> oh, there you go. So yeah, there's there's none of that with Game Informer, but uh yeah, I mean I subscribed to them for a very long time, but the the day they got the uh, absorbed by or I don't absorbed is not the right word, but you know, when they got bought by GameStop, that was at the time I didn't have the foresight to see this day coming because You know, all the digital stuff is what has led GameStop to the to the position it's in right now, and them not being able to adapt to it very well, which has affected Game Informer. But I something in me, yeah, something in me was just like this is not the right move. And like I was, I think I was in high school at the time. Like this happened, like late high school, maybe early college, and it was like, yo, this is not the move. This I don't like this move. Like hooking up with a retailer, like just. From a journalistic standpoint, that was like, eh, okay, as long as they could keep their, you know, what they were doing, and they did, but even from, you know, just being hooked up with a retailer, like, you, you rise or sink with them, and yep. it, it, right now they're sinking, which is really unfortunate. I, yep. I Hopefully, somehow, I, I hope that they could stay afloat, because Game Informer is one of the staples of the, the games industry media. Yep. Now this is good news, Re- well maybe, who knows. Respawn is working on a new first-person shooter in the Apex Legends universe. I want, I, want to, I want to make this very clear. I want to make this very clear, hold on. Respawn is working on a first-person shooter. We do
1: my Arthur.
0: In the Apex <laughs> Legends universe, okay? Um, in case you are unaware, the Apex Legends universe is a universe inside the Titanfall universe. There is no Apex Legends.
1: We're never getting Titanfall. Without III. Titanfall. <laughs> no. They've abandoned. Uh, when you start referring to the universe as the Apex Legends universe, we've already lost. <laughs> I mean, they've given up on Titanfall, and I hate it so much because it's one of the best. The multiplayer in the first one was so much fun. It may have lost its way a bit in the second one, but the campaign is one of the best shooter campaigns that's ever been made.
0: Okay, I'm about to give you some hope, though. I'm about to give you some hope, okay? (laughs) Noah's like, I love Apex Legends, so this is fine. But I'm going to give you hope, David. All right, Apex Legends is set in the Titanfall universe, okay? So it is a Titanfall. These are characters within Titanfall. So they could be conceptualizing a new Titanfall with Apex characters and universe, robots, Mm. all that stuff. Just using the named characters from Apex. That could be an option here because they're conceptualizing like this is the stage they're at. Like this isn't. So as much as it's like a lot of outlets were saying like they're developing, like they're conceptualizing. There's nothing that they're concretely working on. This is this is respawn doing their thing, you know, tinkering, figuring stuff out. Maybe this comes out to something. Maybe this doesn't. Like that's how Titanfall came to be. Like it was nothing, and then they messed around with stuff, and then they're like, oh, we like this. Let's keep going with this, and Titanfall was born. Same with Apex Legends. So. It's Maybe be, this is
3: that.
1: It's going to be Apex Legends colon Titanfall.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Titanfall 3. <laughs> Apex Legends colon Titanfall 3. That would be... Oh, oh that man. would be... Such a slap in the face. I don't know, <laughs> like this... It's just just go ahead and
1: give us the middle finger already, EA. Eh?
0: <laughs> yeah. So there's job listings saying, this. you know, that call the the job title i guess apex universe fps incubation so like that's that's the stage they're in this total like incubating like the the egg isn't even like fully formed yet so this is like very like at the bottom where they're at right now so like there's nothing there basically so
1: still feels like this is where we've gone like where EA has gone before with like Battlefield Bad Company like it's it's the same feeling yeah
0: <laughs> well to be fair i think it would be easier to attract more people to the idea of being a part of incubating something for Apex and Legends than Titanfall at this point i
1: i get i get that i do get
0: that i know i just got to say it for the people you know <laughs> Because I'm with you. I'm like, Apex Legends universe? Seriously, this is Titanfall. It's literally
1: like, we... the Titanfall
0: universe. But you it's... pitched
1: us Apex Legends on the back of Titanfall.
0: Yes! it's
2: <laughs> <laughs> exactly what happened. Oh gosh. If you're listening and you're a diehard fan of Titanfall 1 and 2, there is a battle royale out there <laughs> that you probably would like. It's got a lot of the bear, like, of the skeleton of Titanfall Stop. that's just in a battle royale form. It doesn't have Titans! <laughs> It doesn't um, have Titans. You, we've seen some test footage of some Titans in Apex, <laughs> and uh, let me tell you, I hope they never come to Apex.
0: <laughs>
2: oh, you just—oh my God! Wow, you just—you
0: are about to set off a firestorm by no—no no one who plays oh, Titanfall
2: and Titanfall Two actually, Titans are the the pinnacle of the experience. It's the movement. no, it's not.
0: Uh, you're right. It's not the pinnacle, but it, it it adds such a different flavor while in the match it it well, without breaking it up like yeah. it, it doesn't feel like it's two separate things happening it feels married all together so like honestly like titanfall doesn't do as well as it does without the Titans. like plain yeah. and simple like i don't know well, how have you ever f-
1: climbed in mine like i used it as it but it was cool to be able to have it as an attack with me
0: Yes. Kind of thing. Like the mm-hmm. options you could, use, like I got in mind, I, I used it how I felt it needed to be used, whether it was remote or I, I controlled it. But Titanfall is not Titanfall without the robots. Obviously, the, the movement is what really sold it for people. So it would be nice to have something, you know, even yep. it could be a, you know, Apex Legends style, you know, Traditional deathmatch style game, um, multiplayer game with all like the dope movement that Titanfall has had forever. You know who knows what it could be, but like yes, the movement is everything. But Titanfall is still not Titanfall without the Titans. Like this it, just it just is what it is.
1: Tell tell you what as well. There's nothing like hearing that uh, announcer stand by for Titanfall. Oh god, (laughs)
0: dude! And then seeing it fall out (laughs) of the sky, like, uh, especially if you hit somebody with it. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) The Last of Us Part One remake. uh, There, uh, Robert Morrison, an animator with Naughty Dog, responded to the idea that the Last of Us remake is not a cash grab, which uh, you know a lot of people feel. Uh, Quote: He has a tweet out. It says, "Actually, it's the most meticulously built and crafted project." That I have ever seen or been a part of in my entire career—the highest level of care and attention to detail possible. End quote. Uh, both can be true. Yep. <laughs> it could be a crash grab mm-hmm. and you're the most meticulously crafted thing ever. And uh, yeah, so I, I don't know. This, sometimes you just gotta—you just gotta let people vent and let, yeah. let just people. You don't need to try to defend it. Everything because this this isn't actually saying anything this isn't responding to the actual issue at hand which is yeah just because if it's meticulously crafted doesn't doesn't mean you know Naughty Dog or PlayStation is you know capitalizing on this because but you know we can't complain too much we have (laughs) 15 versions of Skyrim
1: Yeah, I don't see it as much as a cash grab as I see it as a, uh, what is
2: it that I'm trying to say here? I see it more as just, it's too soon. Yes. Which is, yeah, which is why that is how we're seeing it. cash grab. Yeah. Yeah. But I am looking forward to Klonoa Fantasy Reverie Series Remastered HD Collection in three years from now. Because that's going to be fire. (laughs) That's not a cash (laughs) grab
0: right there. That is how you properly...
2: No, no, no. I'm sure. saying if they just brought these, <laughs> what we have right now in three years from now, and just like upped the res a little bit, that would oh, be yeah. <laughs> to me, that's what the we reworked it from the ground up, but still like do you need to? Yeah. I mean, it does look nice. I, it does, yes. Like, it I'm does. Not, you know, his animation work went off I'm sure. But still a cash grab. Like I, I do
0: agree with the sentiment because it, it's too, early. it is too early. Dr. Disrespect's game is a pvp which is actually not what I expected from Dr. Disrespect. I thought it would be just pure PvP because you know he's Dr. Disrespect. So he gave it a tentative title name. Um, it's called Project Moon right now. And every six weeks, Midnight Society which is the name of his developer uh, will release what they're calling snapshots which are vertical slices of the, the full game so it's just little pieces of the full game every six weeks he'll let people play it and give feedback um,
3: so yeah is anybody interested in this oh yeah there's NFTs right
1: yep there's NFTs that's pretty much a basis of the
2: game Maybe, uh,
1: maybe he'll do something different, but
2: so like extraction-based shooters aren't really like that appealing to me. Like I like Escape from Tarkov, and you know this the new like Cycle Frontier game, all those types of games to me. And like Hunt Showdown, they don't. I don't know. Like Doctor Disres- Doctor Disrespect is always talking about like ah oh, it needs to be a battle royale. They should have had a battle royale. That like oh, this battle royale is not good. And then he comes out and, and says, This is what I'm gonna make. I'm gonna make this uh extraction shooter with like the player counts of a battle royale and like the like the feel of a tactical shooter. Um that sounds like a lot. <laughs> sounds really ambitious for a studio's first uh game. And also it's all tied like to NFTs in like six weeks, like everyone can kind of give their feed like the community gives their feedback on the game. Like it just sounds like a lot of things coming together to like And I don't know that they're going to fit well and they're going to meld well. It uh, sounds like wanting
1: to have your cake and eat it too.
2: Yeah. Well,
0: by the time this game comes out, BRs and extraction-based
3: shooters are probably like... There will be
0: the BRs, Apex and Fortnite, maybe a little PUBG, and then, you know... Extraction. I don't know, extraction-based shooters, I just I don't think they're going to last by the time this game comes out. So by the time it comes out, it's going to be more like, uh, what was that game coming out by uh, Cliff Lazinski that fell off?
1: Oh, which one?
0: Uh, The latest one. There
1: were two. <laughs> there was Lawbreakers and there was Radical yeah. Heights.
0: Yeah, I was more thinking about Lawbreakers. Lawbreakers had more... Uh, potential. Lawbreakers was Chronicle a better Hots. game.
1: Well, it wasn't yeah. thrown together in the last second ditch. Effort no. <laughs> to Save the studio.
0: Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, this this feels like it's going to be more Lawbreakers where it's just like it's it's too little too late. Like the, the ship has sailed the, the games that are established have established themselves and that's what the people are going to play. Like there's, that's really there's, the main thing. There's, yeah, there's not much you're going to be able to do about it. That's where I feel like this is going to be by the time it comes out. But it has NFTs.
1: It's so different.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, there's there's nothing <laughs> to say to that. Yep. Skate four will be a free to play game called Skate with a period, like actual period on the back of Skate. Um, it's an. So this is a quote from Darren Chung uh, from The Verge's interview with him. It's an automatic evolution of the franchise and taking what Skate 3 was in 2010 and bringing it to now and to the future. So Skate will be on PC, PlayStation, and Xbox with crossplay and cross-progression. Um, Chung also says, it's going to be Skate. It's going to feel like Skate. It will be a Skate game. So <laughs> I feel like that's what he needed to say <laughs> because... <laughs> The fact that it's free-to-play really gets people up in arms. I don't know why. Like, if the game is good, the game is good. Um, You don't have to engage with the microtransactions. So, if if it's going to be skate, it's going to feel like skate, and it will be a skate game with a period, then we should be good. Like, (laughs) outside of the period, like, the idea of Skate 4 being kind of this open-world gate game where you're just kind of doing stuff and apparently there will be community created content as well what's the difference if you can do that for $60 or you can do that for free right like if it's good it's good that's what you should that's what it should matter it being a free to play game does not automatically make it bad That's not how video games work, and if you think that's how that works, you're missing out on quite a few good video games, but Skate can be good despite it being free-to-play. I think there are some people stuck in the idea of there's going to be some systems implemented that will make me grind for stuff, and... I feel like we're kind of past that stage unless a company is just straight up being greedy which you could totally go in that direction with EA 100% understandable but it it doesn't I don't know I don't I don't I really don't get the impression from this Verge interview that that's the direction they're going or that they have to go it kind of almost sounds like EA's giving them a little bit of freedom to create the skate game that they want to create. It just needs to be free to play. (laughs) You know, like uh, they said cosmetics and what was it? It was cosmetics and there's another word he used. Convenience? Uh, Convenience. Yes. Cosmetics and convenience is what you would pay for. So, convenience, I don't know, that could, be, that could be taken in a few ways. Convenience could be, like, double XP. Right. To right, uh, help speed up your, your leveling up. Convenience could be...
3: Um, you know, I, I don't know, but... I,
0: that, that's probably the most shakiest word. Convenience. But cosmetics, like, we've been doing this for a while now, like... That's safe. I think that's safe. Oh, no. I think Skate will be fine.
2: Yeah, I'm excited for it. I think the fact that they can show the pre-pre-pre-alpha footage, as they call it in the trailer, that first trailer that they dropped, speaks a lot to two things. It speaks to the brand recognition of Skate and how much people have been clamoring for it, that they can just feel like, oh, yeah, we can throw it in there, and just everyone will be go crazy for it. And then also... To how much confidence they have in their team to make a product that is worth people's time um, and then like with the convenience thing it does kind of worry me a little bit but also when I think about skate it's like well what are they going to like bar you from that that would be considered convenient that you would have to pay for and like if it is XP what does that really matter in a game like skate where most things are like skill based and otherwise you're just kind of having fun and vibing in the in the world and like pulling off some tricks every now and then it's like like it doesn't sound like it'll be too much of a hassle, but obviously we don't know what it's going to be like until we get to that point. Maybe you're going to have to like build your whole skateboard, and you're just going to be walking around and ten dollars to buy some wheels. <laughs> um, but I don't think it's going to be like that. And I don't, I don't know. we I guess we'll see how it is. Um, like I, yeah, I feel like at this point, if you develop
0: something that feels like even four years ago, like you're just doing it straight up wrong at this point. Like there's so many so many examples of successful free-to-play games that profit off of just cosmetics and some light conveniences Mm -hmm. that doing anything outside of that especially for a game like this just does not make any sense like you're shooting yourself in the foot to do anything else so even though EA is publishing it like as, you know, EA always has their their roundabouts. You know, they they, they get into really bad spots and then they, they 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 become good for a while. Maybe maybe this is the start of them becoming good. They're yeah. starting with skate and letting respawn do their thing,
2: right? Yeah, exactly. You never know. Say. Like you look at respawn and you get Jedi Fallen Order and then this new Jedi game and then they've done they've let them do pretty much a good job with Apex Legends, so You know, there's hope. There's reason for hope.
0: To be fair, Vince Ampella earned a lot of that. That's true. That's true. He he earned that. But also, to be fair, like the people who've been making Skate are still working on this. So perhaps the clout that they have is enough for EA to be like, you know, just, just make the game. We'll be okay. Sony introduces a new PlayStation loyalty program. This was today. You'll earn rewards by completing campaigns (coughs) and activities. Um, I'll just read off from the article. Our quote-unquote monthly check-in campaign simply requires you to play any game to receive a reward, while other campaigns require you to win tournaments, earn specific trophies, or even be the first player to platinum a blockbuster title in your local time zone. That's quite a task. All PlayStation (laughs) Stars members, uh, which that's what it's called, PlayStation Stars. I forgot to mention that. All PlayStation Stars members will have opportunities to earn loyalty points. Points can be redeemed in a catalog that may include PlayStation Network wallet funds and select PlayStation Store products. As an additional benefit, PlayStation Plus members enrolled in PlayStation Stars automatically earn points for purchase on PlayStation Store. God, that's a lot of PlayStation. Also, as a part of PlayStation Stars, we are unveiling a new type of reward called digital collectibles. They are digital representations of things that PlayStation fans enjoy, including figurines of beloved and iconic characters from games and other forms of entertainment, as well as cherished devices that tap into Sony's history of innovations. There will always be a new collectible to learn and ultra rare collectibles strive for or something surprising to collect just for fun. That right there sounded like that should have been an NFT at some point. (laughs) Like there was rumors
2: that that was NFT. It definitely was at one point. There's no way it wasn't. Could have been, but, you know, in the end, they made the right
1: choice and were like, NFTs, what are you talking about? Because they literally said that in the... uh, the follow-up when someone, when they were asked about it, they're like, no, nope, that's not an NFT. Mm-hmm.
0: Certainly has the vibe of one because I'm like, okay, you, you have a digital collection of stuff that of representation of figurines. Yeah.
1: Well, they said there's no trading them. There's no selling them. So that's an automatic sure. like where it's gone. And yeah. then I don't know that. I don't know that they are, Serial numbered, so to speak, specifically to you.
0: I doubt it. If you can't trade them or anything like that, that there's no need for that. Yep. But it's one of those things. It's just like I don't. This this uh love fest with digital goods is is weird to me. Yeah. Like I can understand within in game, but now we're talking about stuff just outside of game to collect and just have in your PlayStation network ID. I I don't know. Like, I don't, what's the value in that? I, I, I don't see it. Yeah. All right. So that is, are you talking about
2: the digital collectibles? Like specifically that just that or yeah like the whole okay like i what's the value for that like yeah yeah. like why why would anybody
0: spend any playstation points on that stuff right like when you could save it for things like games or other which is what i'm gonna do yeah right i'm sure it would be cheaper like i'm I'm not gonna say yeah i don't think it would be expensive but still like why spend any points on that stuff yeah for sure all right, that that's that's the news. That's all we got. That is the. That's it for us. We're done. Woo! This is the first gaming trend podcast. Yeah. New name. Yes. Feels it's good. good. It does. Feels good. good to be official. <laughs> it's like when you you and your significant other make it official. Like yeah. It's my girlfriend or whatever. You know. It's, it's great. <laughs> so. Appreciate you listening. Appreciate you watching.
2: Yeah. We all went up to Ron and said, you (laughs) ready to take this to the next level? Yeah. Because we're ready. You ready? We're here. So appreciate you listening. Appreciate you
0: watching. You can follow us on YouTube, of course. Subscribe. Keep up with us. Uh, And also check out the Discord. So you can continue the conversation there. Because we would love to chat with you. About video games. That is what we do. So. My name is Anthony Shelton. This is David Burdett. It's Noah Anzaldua. We'll talk to you later. Goodbye. Why did you sound like the. The little uh, the phone hang of it.
3: Goodbye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>